Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 45 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Just think how good all of us would have been in baseball if we had learned to swing at the strikes and take the balls instead of swinging at the balls and taking the strikes uh, and then we end up in broadcasting and journalism, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I kid, but get yourself an assessment from the guys at S2. Uh, it's really good stuff. Figure out where you are in the area of swing decisions. And then what do you do about it? Create a training program. Really, really good stuff. So uh, as always, joined by the great Kendall J. Rogers, the great Zebby Barrels, Aaron Zebediah Fit. Gentlemen, good evening. How are we doing? Good evening, Coach Rooney. How are you? Oh, good awesome. to see you guys. It feels like it's been like a month since we did a podcast. So it's, yeah. it's good to see you guys. I, I've been I've been podding around on you guys. You yeah. have. You, yeah. You've, uh, you've had a lot of uh, hashtag want in the podcast industry lately. The great Stephen Shock is keeping me young. That's been very, very fun. The, the Sunday night pods have been amazing. Now, in fairness, too, like Kendall, you've been busy coaching a, a youth football dynasty. Fitzy's been on his no, fall extravaganza. Coaching. Oh, we're, we're, you're not coaching? I'm not coaching. Please tell us you're on the chain gang. Are you like, are you? I was this first? past weekend. Yes, I was. How was your game? How were you? Were you good? Good the marker? chain gang? I'm pretty good. I did not give us any extra inches. Did you, were you the down marker or were you one of the uh, stretch to 10 yards? I was guys? the stretch in the 10 yard guys. How many measurements did we have? Uh, zero. <laughs> zero measurements. You were that good, KR. You were that I'm, I'm that good, man. Nobody even questioned it. No, uh, no, no fourth, you know, no extra fourth down for me. Thank you, Missouri and Colorado. Oh, wow. That's right. Kendall's got great college football command. Fitzy, what's the best meal you've had on the road so far this fall? Any meals stand out for you? I've had some, some decent ones here lately. I've had, uh, I had a, a nice little steak dinner in um, in in uh, Tupelo last week on my way to Ole Miss. That was uh-huh. uh, that was excellent. And then uh, where else did I have another really good steak like a night or two before that somewhere? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been getting out there. You know, there's been some good eating. What is Tupelo bringing to the party, Fitzy? I, I can't say <laughs> that I've ever had the pleasure of Tupelo. I like Tupelo. Yeah, it's um, birthplace of Elvis Presley, I believe. Ooh, there you go. Um, That's a is, good one. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice little kind of stop between Tuscaloosa and, and Oxford. Um, you know, it's more of a grown-up vibe than you get in a college town. But uh, nice downtown, you know, some good some good spots out there. Like it. Aaron, Aaron, are you a, a Boo-Ray guy when you go to Oxford? Um, I don't think I have been to Boo-Ray. Oh man, you got to go there. Yeah. That's a, what about something. Ajax? Ajax, Ajax is a go to. Okay. I, I like I like Ajax. I yeah, go to Boo Ray when you're there next time. It's okay. really good. Love good tip. it. 
Very good. Uh, gentlemen, let's do, um, I want to talk fall reports. The, mm -hmm. the, uh, the website is ablaze with fall reports right now. Um, one, I'll give you guys a thought. I, I, the off season, I tend to be a worrier. I worry about our sport. I'm just a worrier, but I had a good, I had a good, um, epiphany today, maybe today, one of these days. And it was this, I was thinking about in, in the midst of doing all these fall reports, man, man, some of these teams that I wouldn't classify as like the premier programs have some really old dudes on their team, like in a good way. Like, like I'll, I'll give yeah. you an example. Washington state has like six pitchers that are fifth year seniors that are names you'd recognize. You're like, that's really interesting. Like these kids are old and have some skill that, you know, they, they certainly aren't going to have the arm strength of an sec arm, but, um, and, and I keep worrying about the transfer portal. I keep telling myself it's going to normalize. Here's my theory. I'm going to throw it out. You guys, you guys can beat it up, do whatever you want with it. My theory is that all is not lost because it is really hard for freshmen to play in college baseball right now. You know, there's so many old players and the access to pro ball is, is limited now. So it's hard for freshmen to play. My concern for mid majors was that there'd no, there'd be no more fifth year seniors because you know, kids would start playing as freshmen again and no COVID year back, et cetera, et cetera. But now I'm starting to think it's hard to play as a freshman nowadays because the, the, the college baseball is so old. So that will help us. And then, you know, you're going to keep seniors and fifth year seniors because pro ball is so hard to get into. So I'm, I'm actually starting to feel like some of these mid-major programs or as Stephen would say, Stephen Shock would say grit factories. Um these I actually factories. love that, by the way. Oh, I don't like it. I love it. I'm with you. Yeah, so so I am actually encouraged because I think they're going to be able to have a lot of seniors and fifth-year seniors, even when COVID eligibility washes out, because freshmen don't play college baseball anymore. What what, what do you think? Yeah. Am I on to something? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And also, I, I do think they're, you know, one thing I, I've, I've started to notice is um, the flow of, of quality veteran players from ACC, NCC-type places to the high mid majors. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if this is answering your, your question exactly, but like I was at Troy, um, you know, and, and I was very struck by how well they did in the portal. It's, you know, it's not just the, the ACC SEC teams taking, you know, the good players from the mid majors. It can work the other way. I mean, like uh, check out some of these names on Troy's roster, Jay Dill, Clemson, mm. big, big power arm could be a weekend starter. Um, Cleet Hartzog, Florida. Yeah. Uh, big arm, you know, up mid 90s. I saw three really good pitches. I saw him good. Um, uh, uh, Mikey Bello, Auburn. Like, that's a guy wow. who's got multiple years of playing in the SEC. He'll be an impact player. I think he'll have a really good year at Troy. Will Butcher from Charlotte, who's been a producer. You know, that's not from a mid major, uh, from, a, from a, you know, from a SEC, ACC, but like that's an accomplished player. Like, you know, they, they yeah. did very well with, with those sorts of, you know, multiple. That's three guys, though, that I mentioned from ACC and SEC powerhouse top 10 caliber programs that have, you know, are good players that are established players that have now found a, a home at a high mid major in Troy. Um, so I think there is opportunity out there for, for teams, you know, who are, who are not in those those top two or three leagues to still uh, make an impact in the portal with, with guys from those kind of schools. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I, I'm encouraged. We we've said this on the podcast that we think this whole thing will normalize. I think it I think it's starting to get there, and that that's encouraging. I, I don't want to, I you know, I don't want to come off as like anti premier program because those. I mean, gosh, I coached in one of those, and I you know, I, I those programs they. Uh, you know, they make the engine go in college baseball, but I also don't want to see yeah. the mid majors left for dead, the grit factories. 
Yeah, I will say this too. Uh, you know, obviously when the transfer portal rules were changed, a lot of people were concerned that, you know, SEC, ACC schools, et cetera, would still all the good players in mid-major ranks. But I would also say this. From a societal, cultural standpoint, like I think kids these days are a lot less eager or I guess willing would be the right word, a lot less willing to sit behind players. You know, look at Josh Hatcher, who went to Kennesaw State a couple of years ago and had a great year for the, for the Owls two years ago. Uh, he was a guy that was, you know, started some, ended up being a backup a little bit. I think kids these days, this, this is not an indictment on kids these days, but I think kids these days are a lot less willing to, you know, wait their turn, so to speak. Like they want to play right now. And if you're going to Mississippi State and you're only playing midweek against Jackson State, chances are probably pretty good. You're not going to be patient and wait your turn. You're probably going to go to the portal. And, you know, there's a lot of great options like Troy, like they're a rising program with Skyler running the show. You know, Kennesaw State's a program in the last, you know, 12 years has been a super regional. So there are a lot of good options where you can leave a program like that and start right away. And, you know, you're, you're playing every single day. So I, I think, you know, I think mid-majors will, will continue to reap the benefits to some degree in the portal, con- contrary to popular belief. Kendall, your vocab so far in this podcast, you in the last segment, you just dropped societal, cultural, and indictment. I would have yeah, although I did say the I wrong knew. word and corrected myself with willing. So oh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, just okay. bringing the three syllable ruckus right now. Hum Thank you. you. It's impressive. Uh, for, it's impressive for texting to use three syllable words. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not usually considered a wordsmith, but thank you, Rance. Oh yeah. Hey now, let's Somebody, go. Somebody's got to pitch it for Joe. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Coach Healy's always flashing though. It, he's kind of a he's kind of a show pony when it comes to vocab too, though. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a skilled show pony. Like he's not afraid to show off the vocab. So, hey, right. you know what? All the transfer portal people. Hey, at least we don't have it like the old days where you could leave in December and be eligible in January. Remember those days? Like you know, back not, when you coached. Not on it. It's the worst thing yeah, ever. Yeah, awful. not terrible. So, terrible. 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 So do we? That's do we? It. Do we still think that's? terrible now when we've got these big rosters we've got the mid-semester cuts. Good question i think the answer though is the roster is not the january transfer the because because here's the problem fitzy to me we've turned fall ball into a big tryout and so mm-hmm. like if we if we allow january transfers we open a major can of worms like let's say privilege program number one loses a shortstop in the fall well okay i'll, I'll tell on ourselves fitzy this will be <laughs> great i'll give you an example so Arizona State, uh, season of 2002, we're coming off of a disappointing finish in a regional. Um, we're anxious. We have, you know, we hadn't been to Omaha since 98. Dustin Pedroia is our f- star recruit freshman. We're, we go through the summer and we're panicked that, man, what if Pedroia can't play shortstop as a freshman? He's tiny. He's emotional, blah, 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 right? We talk ourselves into panic mode. So, so, and, and we start going through the fall. So what do we do? We convince Ian Kinsler to transfer in the middle of the year. Well, while we're doing that, Pedroia settles down and then now Kinsler's on our campus, right? And it's like, okay, we got to play him. So we play him at short. He's just meeting the guys. Somebody who thought they were starting is now on the bench. Pedroia's playing his brains out. Kinsler's pressing. He hits like 200 for the year, makes a bunch of errors. He's a you know great kid, way better player than that. So you know, like I, man, it was, it was terrible. Like it was so unfair to Ian Kinsler and we did it for selfish reasons. Cause we were panicked about the team that we recruited 
And then, you know, 2001, the year before, we brought Andy Torres in in January. He won 13 games, and the guys on the team were bitter towards him. I, I don't know. It's just maybe may, I'm, I'm turning a small sample size into a – I just think it would be – it's unfair to the kids that come in January, and it, it opens a nasty can of worms on the recruiting front. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I, I ultimately I agree with you. I just thought that was worth bringing up because, like, what you know, what happens to all these guys who get cut, you know, in in December? Um, I mean, it's either JUCO or redshirt, right? Like, those are your options. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you know, the other thing that's interesting too is I was talking to a dad. He emailed me a question a couple of days ago about the portal, and it was a dad of a kid who walked on, which the kid you know, wanted to transfer somewhere that was willing to actually give him like a scholarship at the midterm. And he can't do that. Like at the, at the least, I would think a kid who's a walk on should be able to transfer and not have to sit out. I mean, if you're not on scholarship, why in the world do you, should you have to, you know, can you not transfer at the break and play? You know, I, like you're, I, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. I mean, for walk ons, probably all bets are off if they're paying their way. I just don't like, I, I don't know, like my, you guys know my dream scenario. My dream scenario is August 15th, pick your 40 guys. And for the next 10 months, you're all the way in with those 40 guys. And it's never been easier to reset your roster. Um, you know, I, I just so kind of like MLB has like a 40 man designation at the end of spring training kind of deal. Yeah. And then just like for the next 10 months, that's your team. And, and let's just, let's just focus on that as, you know, instead of like, I don't know, like if we open that January thing up, we're going to have people recruiting off of each other's rosters in the fall. Yeah. It'll never stop. And that's, so, I know we talk, we feel like we talk about this every pod, but like, so your, your, your scenario that you, that you would advocate for would be, you have to, you have to set your 40 man at the start of fall practice. Yeah. And we'd have to pick a date because of quarter schools versus semester schools. So let's say we pick August 15th or August 10th. The other thing Fitzy we'd have to do is we'd have to create a little window in there where kids that get cut could recover. Um, you know, like, so let's say I'm yeah. a program that has a very big roster. I cut down to 40 and I'm a, like a mid mate. I'm a grit factory. I might only keep 35 through the summer and save five spots for the kids that get let go. Um, you know, cause again, I would know the kid. It's not like the kid wasn't recruited by other schools. You kind of yeah. know. And if you're smart, you're in touch with the, programs that have access to a lot of players and you're, th you're saying hey who do you think you you might lose so i can be prepared to recover with some of those yeah. kids runes what about this scenario like what what about having like a like a cut date yeah that's you what know, i'm saying like, like yeah like yeah. you'd have a you'd have you'd have a cut date and then like a five to seven day period where the kids that get cut have a yeah. chance to you know they might end up at junior college but at least they're at junior college for the fall yeah, they might I mean, end up at a division one yeah, I kind of feel like if you're, you know, Scott Forbes or Dave Van Horn and like you're a month into the fall, like you kind of know whether or not a kid's making well, the team. But I think what Runes is proposing is you have the cut date in August before the kids show up. Because, uh, yeah. you, you know, you can't of academics. Like, and, yeah, you yeah. can't transfer in September, you know, after three weeks into school. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, like coaches are thinking about their rosters all day, every day. Like when they show up for first day of fall practice, I, we used to joke. When, when I was at ASU that I hate it when I always say when I was at ASU, but I guess it's what I got to lean on, you know, like you'd have a picture. I'll never forget. We had a picture we recruited from a junior college in California and he went two Oh on the first hitter in the fall. And it's like, all right, he gone. Right. It's like, <laughs> now I'm exaggerating, but I'm not totally exaggerating. Right. Like it's, 
And, and in fairness to the coaches, like, I get it. Like, the roster is unpredictable. You're trying to navigate the draft, and kids change their minds. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, but I don't – I don't know. It's, it's, there's, there's no ideal answer here. Getting cut at Thanksgiving, like we've said, is terrible. Getting cut in August would be terrible. They're both terrible. But, um, if, but if we've got an August 1st draft signing deadline, and let's say an August 20th or August 15th you know, deadline for setting your 40-man – then there's a little window. Like you said, there's, yeah. you know, maybe there's a 10 day window where kids that don't make that 40 man in August, you know, can find another landing spot. And yeah, you know, sometimes injuries are going to happen in the fall and you're going to wind up with, you know, short on, short on bodies, you know, that, that, that can happen if you don't have a 48 man pool of guys in the fall, you know, I get yeah. it, but like 40 feels like enough. That, that's what yeah. you're saying. And you, we've, it's never been easier to reset your roster in college baseball. We've bumped the recruiting back so that we don't have eighth graders committed anymore. And we've got the transfer portal. So you can go get some kids from some other programs that are ready to transfer. So I, yeah, I, I think, I think having a coach commit to 40 players is not damning. Like it made a bit might've been five years ago when, recruiting was so stagnant um i don't know it's it's interesting speaking of you know i don't know about you guys but like i have not heard any coach complain about the new recruiting rules no i I saw one i saw one complaint but i felt yeah like like it's kind of crazy like very seldom do you see coaches be on very solid ground and all pretty much agree but i mean i have not seen or heard any complaints other than I, i think i saw the one you were talking about yeah. Like other than that guy, like I don't think I've seen someone complain, which is pretty unheard of. Yeah, I think you'd have to be really careful complaining about that because what yeah. was happening before was really rough on the eyes. You know, like committing eighth graders is—I mean, you're committing kids that are two years away from a driver's license. Yeah, like that yeah. felt not awesome. So, but you're right, Kendall. I think I think anybody of a rational mind would say. Hey, this is like, it's the right thing to do. It really is. So anyway, Hey boys, let's do this. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about fall reports. Here's my favorite thing about fall reports. You really don't, I I go into these things like super, like it's like Christmas morning. I don't totally know what I'm going to get, right? Like I've not seen these teams. I, I have like these recollections of what I think happened to them in the off season, what I think happened to them in the draft, what I remember about them from the year before. And then you read the fall report and it's like, bang, like, well, okay, now let's, let's, I, I don't know. I, 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 I noticed myself having very, <laughs> this is going to sound dramatic, but very emotional reactions to fall reports <laughs> where I'm like, holy wow. crap. Like that was totally out of left field. Like I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I love it. I just totally love it. Friends, I, uh, the Washington state uh, fall report had you a little teary eyed. <laughs> yes. It, I, I will. I get emotional. I get, I get, uh, my, <laughs> if, 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 if coach Rooney's doing a fall report on your club, we're 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 dive like the cup is half full. I am I am super yeah. optimistic always. Uh, oh, I love fall reports, boys. I, I love my day job, but if I could just write fall reports and read fall reports for my life, that would be my life. That would be. I would golf and play fantasy football too. But. Yeah, there you go. I feel like that would be yeah. boring after a while. Just reading fall reports. I'm willing to try it. Okay. I'm willing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm up for it. All right, so. Uh, uh, Fitzy, since since you and Joe are like you know Aaron Fit Joe Healy, man or fall report writing machines, like you guys are yeah. like not human, you're Borg cyborgs. Uh, pick one, Fitzy. Pick a fall report. Uh, could be one you wrote, could be one you read, and and give us like a reaction, something that uh, either stood out or surprised you. 
Um, all right. Well, I'm going to start with, uh, you know, I've seen, here's the other thing, guys. I've seen, uh, I'm probably about 15 teams behind right now on teams that I've seen that I've not written up yet. That always happens. Like I just came, yeah. I just had like a 10 day run of seeing games every day at different sites. You know, you're like a, a cover them. band, Fitzy. You're just yeah. out on the road making music. That's right. Uh, but as a result, it's where I always end up at this, this spot on number first where I'm like, all right, now I got to sit at my desk and like dig out. You know, I'm just like <laughs> combing through notes and going, oh, circling uh, back and making phone calls. Um, but one, one that I posted. So um, a couple of teams that I've seen this fall stood out to me as being maybe better than I was expecting. You know, and I, you know, I tend to have high expectations for a lot of teams. I like a lot of teams. Um, but uh, um, I mentioned Troy. I haven't written their report yet, but um, I would just say that I think they're a top 25 team. And, mm. you know, I, I really do. I, I believe uh, there's a, there's a, they have a lot more back than I realized. Like Shane Lewis, Shane that Lewis happened? is back. I hit 27 home runs, you know, and he kind of got passed over in the draft. We took his name out of the draft after, after he didn't go the first two days. I think he, he would have been a day three pick, but um, yeah, like you get that guy back. I mean, a bunch of like key players from that team are back uh, on the mound and in the lineup. And they, I think they did a great job with their, their newcomer group. So, um, I, you know, I won't get too far into that because I haven't posted the report yet, but you know, the other team that kind of jumped out at me that maybe looked better than I expected was Kansas. Um, you know, Kansas, I saw them at Oklahoma state. I posted their report, I think last week. And uh, I like their team. You know, again, I, I think they did, they did well um, with the portal. You know, they're, they're kind of going portal heavy because they, the new staff came in, not this past summer, but the previous summer, and they kind of instantly had to plug holes with the portal. And then they still haven't had like a full recruiting cycle. So, you know, they did have, they brought in a freshman or two that, they, that they're excited about, this Dominic Vogley, freshman right-hander, they think is going to be a big star. A um, couple of good Juco arms, Evan Shaw, the left-hander that sounds like could be a weekend piece with power stuff. Uh, they like him a lot, but um, I love what they did with the portal. Um, I think I've talked before on the show about Ethan Lanthier, uh, who was at St. Cloud state last year. I saw him in the Cape. He was really good. He was really good again against Oklahoma state. You know, it's, it's a lot more field of pitch than I expected, you know, for a guy with power stuff from St. Cloud state. Um, you know, there's, there's, I think there's feel for three pitches and with velocity and it, it carry. And I like him. And then you add in kind of like a, like a Reese Dutton and a, from, from USC upstate who, won 10 games last year as a Friday starter. Um, Grant Adler from, from Wichita State is just a winner. You know, like those two guys feel like really good veteran pitchability pieces that you can plug and play in your rotation. Um, and, and you know, bringing Lenny Ashby from New Mexico, like all this guy mm. does is hit. I don't know if you've seen him before at Runes, but like yes. he's like, he's all fit material. He's like 5'9", 210. Um, just a freaking hit machine, just just Lenny Barrels, let's call him. Yeah, uh, go ahead and call his him. His strike Lenny zone is the size of a postage yeah. stamp. Like yeah, his strike right. zone is this big. He really controls the zone. He's a doubles machine. He hit like three ninety last year or something. So you stick him in the middle of the lineup. Plenty of returning guys back, like uh, um, uh, Jansen Reeder. You know, Cody Shojinaga. Those guys have produced for them in the past. Um, you know, a number of other pieces. I think they've got kind of like a, you know Michael Brooks, really good winning player at third base, great yeah. defender who, who also can hit. And um, yeah. you know, Chase Jans. I mean, there's some nice returning pieces, some nice JUCO pieces in that lineup. Um, I think their staff is just deep, is certainly deeper than it was last year. And I think there's more um, horses that they can lean on the rotation. So Kansas is a team that uh, I wasn't expecting a ton from. I didn't really know what to expect, but I think they feel like a potential regional team in the Big 12. 
The the other thing about Kansas too is like their roster construction is really good. You know, Fitz is obviously a really good coach, but like John Coyne, the recruiting coordinator, yeah, really he's a superstar. You know, grinded uh, you know grinded earlier in his career at a Texas junior college. And if you look at the frankly the roster last year, if you looked at it, like there were some pieces of it that I that you would really like. And I think this roster even more so. Uh, like there are there are a lot of different pieces of that Kansas roster. You're like like I can I can see them like finding a way in their regional. Yep. You know, you really can. Kendall, you were the early adopter here, but I'm telling you, like the future version of Big 12 baseball, as you said, really, yeah. really growing on me. I mean, that league is really growing on me. All right, let me let me give you guys an over under. Kansas, next five seasons, including 2024, mm-hmm. over under 1.5 regional appearances. Next gonna, five seasons? Next five the, seasons. I'll take the over. I'll go over too. I feel pretty confident about that. Me too. Yeah. It's like, just, there's like, there's just like a feeling of hustle around that program, right? Like they're just going to scrap their way into a couple of them. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think with the new construction of that league, if that feels like a program that can really do well, I think, you know, with, with, you're taking away some of the perennial powers and there's a little bit of a power vacuum. And, um, you know, I I think it's better for programs like Kansas and Kansas state, and it's still gonna be a good league, but it's not going to be maybe as brutal. Yep. Love it. KR, what's a fall report that jumped out at you? Yeah, I was actually just reading Aaron's report in Oklahoma yesterday. And you know, the thing about Oklahoma is, you know, there's a lot of buzz about guys like, you know, guys like Jace Miner kind of coming in the fall. It, it doesn't look like Aaron saw his velocity quite as high as I'd heard that it, uh, somebody had told me it was up to like 93, 95 uh, earlier this fall. So it doesn't look like he saw that velocity, but clearly looks like a, you know, a kid with a lot of upside. I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Oklahoma guys is just kind of the, some of the pieces they have back offensively. You know, when you look at Bryce Madrone, a, you know, a kid with 12 homers last year, you know, we, we talk about, you know, older guys that have had a lot of at-bats. Kendall Pettis has seen a lot of baseball. He's played for a national championship. You know, John Spikerman was a, was a, a, a you know, versatile player last year that we thought would put up these just, you know, gargantuan numbers. And he didn't do that. So, like, can he kind of recover from that? Then, again, we, we talked about older players earlier. Anthony McKenzie, a fourth-year player, a senior for Oklahoma. So they, that that nucleus there of that offense has a, has a lot of at-bats. And so, the you know, that that tends to end up being a pretty beneficial thing come spring, and we'll see if that kind of happens at Oklahoma. But I it, like where they're starting from offensively with yeah. that quartet. And I think that that outfield is a chance to be one of the better outfields yeah. in the country. And then you throw Carter Frederick in, who's a, a Juco kid that hit like crazy mm-hmm. last year. Um, had some injury stuff this fall, so he didn't hit when I was there. But I think it's a handmate that he's that he's got. But um, they like him a lot. Like he could be in right field and, you know, maybe push somebody to DH or, um, you know. But like uh, Spikerman, I know we all bought last year. Kendall, he was your breakout guy. Uh, he might have been my breakout guy if you hadn't taken him. Like I was all in on Spikerman also. And you know what? To his credit, he kind of dug out of that early hole. Like he was in a very deep hole early, and he finished with respectable. Yeah. Like I don't know, yeah, not bad. Nine was it a nine hundred plus OPS? I don't know. It was it was respectable. Um, but like he, you know, for the scouts I was talking to there, he's looked great. Takes a great BP. Like he's switch hitter. He's strong. He's obviously has elite speed. He's an elite defender in center field. Like. I still, I'm still believing in this guy, you know, and he can yes. be an all American. I still believe it. And obviously Bryce Madrin, as you mentioned, like that's a great cornerstone group to build that team around. Fitzy, you, you said you did not see Carter Frederick, right? Cause of his handmate. He played defense and he made a great diving catch in right field, but yeah, he did not hit. 
He's massive. He's 6'4", mm-hmm. 235. Holy yeah, heck. Big guy. Big guy. So here would be my question, Oklahoma fit. Do, do, do you feel like they have the frontline pitching to compete at, a, you know, compete at a high level in the postseason? I mean, they've got talent, but do you feel like they have the, the front end, you know, kind of rotation guys? Yeah, so it's not going to be like the rotation. I wrote about this in the fall report like two years ago when they had – you know, Kate Horton and, and Jake yeah. Bennett and um, uh, Nick Sandlin, like they're not going to go three horses, you know, and, and Skip Johnson was pretty frank about that. You know, he thinks there's going to be a lot more mixing and matching. There's going to be some piggybacking. Um, you know, you've got Jamie Hitt coming back, who apparently has been, has looked very good this fall. You know, like he's got some, he made 12 starts last year. He's got experience and bringing Brennan Durton from Texas Tech. Like there's guys that could be, you know, I mean, but they're probably they're probably thinking like, hey, we're gonna go try to go twice through the lineup with our starters if we can. Like they're not gonna get greedy with that. Uh, the, the strength of the staff is the depth. They do have, I think, I think they've got a lot of quality arms. It's just it's not gonna be built like that staff two years ago. They went to the World Series Finals. Fitzy, uh, Reggie Willits's son Jackson. Would you yeah. did you see him play? No, I got fooled on this actually. Um, oh, because they had a kid at shortstop wearing like the number 77 or something. It wasn't on the roster. And I was like, oh, and I heard a scout say, oh, that's Reggie Willits's son. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow, this guy's like dynamic. He, I mean, honestly, like I thought he was the best player in the field. He leapt off the field, like premium speed, just instincts, <laughs> action, everything. Turns out that was Reggie's younger son, who's a sophomore in high school. No way. And <laughs> is, is apparently going to be a first round pick. Like he's way better than, you know, he's like, he's, he's a stud. Uh, he's not going to go to college. I think he's going to sign me a first round pick. Is he in the same high school class as the youngest holiday or is the youngest holiday one year older? Uh, Ethan holidays class of 2025. He's actually not even the youngest holiday. There's a really little one, but uh, yeah. Yeah. The rumor is Ethan's better than Jackson, which is pretty incredible. He's bigger for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it sounds like the, uh, the, the the freshman holiday. I mean, the freshman Willits on, on the Oklahoma roster. He was out with some injury thing when I was there, but they like him. He could be their starting shortstop. He's got like 80 baseball IQ, and obviously he's an athlete. So, yeah. I'm sure Jackson Willits loves to hear that his freshman or a sophomore <laughs> brother in high school is better than everybody else. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't get to see you know Jackson, so maybe he's better. Fitzy, you need to do that in the Oklahoma Fall Report. You need to write, yeah. don't write up Jackson Willits, who's a Oklahoma, freshman in college, yeah. and write up his sophomore yeah. high school brother. Oklahoma's best player was a sophomore in high school. He can't drive yet, but he's our best player. He looked awesome. I'm telling you, like he, you get on base and just steal second, steal third at will. It was just it was it was dynamic. Oh my gosh, that's great! And by the way, like it the state true. of Oklahoma is like a mini IMG Academy between the Holiday brothers and now the Willits brothers, and oh yeah. my gosh, so great! I just when I read that Fitzy was awesome. It's a great fall report. Obviously, Oklahoma is very top of mind because they were a controversial add to the NCAA tournament last year. Controversial birth is probably a better word. Um, they're coming off of playing in the CWS finals two years ago, um, and that position player group. I just I was as you mentioned, Kendall reading that thing i was blown away at the names yeah. that you recognize like it's everybody's back mckenzie madrin uh nicholas spikerman you know um the uh, uh yeah just over and over again so many returners well well and also on the mound um you know fit didn't seem because he has a stress reaction that's always concerning to me when i see a stress reaction because that's not easy to get over but you know they were really excited about austin henry too i'd heard that he yeah. had been in the mid to upper 90s as well with his fastball so We'll kind of keep an eye on see on that injury from him, but like he has a lot of upside as well. 
And this Ryan Lambert kid they got from Missouri State touched 100 this fall. Skip said <laughs> with, a, with an 85 slider that's got bite. So you know, they got so they're gonna have, they're gonna have the uh, John Cohen Butch Thompson approach from the 2013 Mississippi State yeah. where they just throw like eight guys in in, Omaha, in every game in Omaha. I think you're gonna see a lot of that. Yep. Awesome. Uh, hey, boys, uh, this episode is also brought to us by good friends at Pitch Logic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from the youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy to use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest levels of the game. See pitchlogic.com for more information. Uh, boys, let's take a quick break and then we will come back and finish with a few more fall reports. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. And we're back, 31-38 minute mark. Look at that, like a pro, Coach Rooney. I see you working. Uh, a little positive self-talk there, working on that. Uh, boys, I got to pick one, and I don't know which one to pick. I am. I think going... you should go Utah Valley. It was awesome. I had so much fun writing that. Danny Dickinson, their second baseman, is like Tony Renda, Alex Bregman, kind of like this little awkward infielder who's just an electric like kind of a sawed off right-handed hitter with just juice like lightning in his hands went off last year as a true freshman and you know quite honestly I think Utah Valley and Eddie Smith were worried about losing him in the portal he'd be an obvious candidate and he stayed and so they are very old how about this the Wolverines have 17 players that are going to be in their last year of college baseball eligibility I mean it's an old group I, I, I'm a sucker for whack baseball. I just think it's a very cool baseball league um, with a lot of good programs. You know, the, here's the other thing. Utah Valley's got this pro park that the Orem Owls, which used to be the A-ball team for the Angels, have left. And so now they have this gorgeous pro park park all to themselves. It's, it's breathtaking with the mountains in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, Eddie Smith is a stud. This is a guy that played at Notre Dame, coach for Brian O'Connor, coach for Paul Maneri. Um, he's really sharp. So, um, they were really fun to write up. And, I and they finished you, third in the league last year. I mean, they went 17 yeah. and 12 in the whack and, you know, thir- one thirty-four games and, you know, bring all those old guys back. Like I was, I was like, Oh, Utah Valley report, huh? And then I was, you know, I looked, I looked at it. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah they, they won they the biggest turnaround in college baseball. Yeah. What's interesting about them too, is like, if you go look at their facility, obviously they have a picturesque background, but like, their actual facility is really nice. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the it's, better ones, you know, west of the Mississippi. 
Yeah, it's lights out. And I'll tell you guys, the athletic department there is cool because it's young. They've only been Division One for 20 years. They've only been in a league with an automatic bid for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so their, their, their whole athletic department has this vibe of like, we're all in. They chose it, right? Like they're not just some program that's been doing sports forever. So, or, or at this level. Runes, are they very kind of almost in Grand Canyon's a little bit more boisterous, but are they very like GCU like in a, in a sense? I think so because it's a it's yeah. a school that's spirited, you know, like and it's a, it's a cool area. Utah's a beautiful place, you know. Eddie Smith has uh, his backgrounds in the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of players up there that they can get their hands on. Um, you know, it's it's I, I I perceive it to be affordable. I perceive it to be not. Um, prohibitive from an academic standpoint. It just seems like a cool place. You know, it just seems yeah. seems like a cool place to go to college. And um, there's a little bit of an Oral Roberts vibe there. Like they kind of know their gig in recruiting. They know who they are and they just keep yeah. targeting those players and it's going to allow them to stay old. So and they're, in, they're in Orem, right? Orem, yeah. yeah. Orem, yeah. yeah. And they had yeah, that so. one year, I don't know, like a decade ago. It's, I don't know exactly what it was where they, yeah, they, they won, won like 48 games. games. Yeah, yeah, I won yeah. a ton of games. As, I think as an independent at that time, or were they? No, it yeah, was they in had the, that uh, big masher. Remember they had like the number two or number three like home run hitter in college baseball. Great yeah. West Conference or something. The Great West, yeah. is what it was. That's right. Yeah. They, they, no automatic bid. They didn't get in, but like you know, it's it, it's neat to see them in you know in a in a conference that has good baseball in it, and yeah. you know has yeah. a chance to to win an automatic bid. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you guys two that we can chew on, and then we can um and then and then we'll we'll wrap it. Louisville and Tennessee were two reports that really yeah. stood out to me. Like I'll, I'll start with Tennessee. Their offense is going to be like when their offense walks in the park, you're going to feel it. Like I am, I, I went from very skeptical of Billy Amick to like, I think I'm all in now. And then, you know, Christian Moore moving over to shortstop. Like that dude was the best player on the field for a lot of the postseason for Tennessee. I mean, he was a game wrecker. Um, I mean, they just have bat after bat after bat. Looks like the dryling kid is ready to make a move. Um, you know, they I, I I put in our chat, Tennessee needs a triple A team. Like they have so many good players just waiting for I mean, this is a compliment. Like Tony Vitello has created a culture there where good players are waiting their turn. And that's what great programs do, right? Like you have great players great that that like you know, like Alabama football does this, right? Like great players are like, I'm all in on this and I will bust my hump to get my chance. It is awesome. Like I, I, I came out of there, like that that was a wild fall report. It was awesome. I agree with you. I think if you look at the addition of people, Cannon Peebles, you look at Blake Burke, Christian Mm. Moore, Billy Amick. And you know, the other guy, again, it's kind of the theme of the pod a little bit, but like in terms of experience, you know, getting a guy like Zane Denton back a fifth year Mm -hmm. senior. Yep. Uh, he's gonna have to fight to play, bats. Kendall. He's yeah. gonna have to fight. He had to play. 16 bombs last year, and he's gonna have to fight to keep a keep a spot. So that gives yeah. you an idea just how deep this team's gonna be. But uh, yeah, and, and, no, you're right. I mean, you look up and down that thing, that fall report, and it's just like, wow, they have a chance to be really good. Yeah, and some of the new other newcomers too that aren't household names yet sounded very intriguing. Like Alex Perry, I know Joe saw him really good. I think against the Hokies, hit up a home run and you know three hits, and uh, he's had two big seasons in, in JUCO ball. Um, sounds like he's got some defensive versatility and then Ariel and, uh, Antigua, uh, sounds like an all, a future all fit guy, five, eight, one eighty, twitch, you know, quick twitch athlete, shortstop of the future, maybe, um, you know, curiously how he develops as well. Mm. And, and the other one boys is Louisville where man, Louisville is a really hard team to parse, right? Like to, I, I have a tough yeah. time getting my arms around Louisville because their tradition is so loud under Dan McDonald. You know, like that's a data point that I can't ignore. They have missed regionals two of the last three years. 
I believe they missed the ACC tournament even last year. Yeah, sure. And now again, injuries had a lot to do with that, but I, you know, like, and we've, I've been personally, you know, I've chipped at Louisville about not participating in the portal. Well, they participate in the portal this year. And I, I perceive their team to be really deep. Joe Healy said it great. He said, Louisville's a team with an extremely high floor. And I believe that. I think it's really the best summary of them. So then the question becomes, do they have enough to kind of get back to the old heights of Louisville baseball? And when I say old, I mean, 2019, you know, 2020, they had awesome teams. That was five minutes ago. So I, yeah, I don't know what your take boys was, but Louisville was a fall report that was really fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, go, go ahead. ahead no, you're good. Um, I agree. I mean, you know, there's some very interesting names here. And, and I, I think for me, Eddie King Jr. is one of my favorite picks to click in college baseball this year. I mean, in that, that whole outfield group with Humphrey and Benson, Isaac Humphrey, JT Benson, and, and Eddie King, uh, those are some talented guys that, you know, I think could go off this year. That has a chance to be a very good outfield. But King was so good in the Cape for me. He really grew um, over the course of the summer. And, I mean, he took a lot of very, very, very good competitive at-bats. I saw them repeatedly. Um, he was with Orleans, I believe. And, and it was, uh, um, you know, that was what impressed me because he's obviously a physical specimen. You know, he's very strong in addition to the fact he can run. He's got he's got some bat speed, but um, the quality of his at-bats stood out. So that that's – I'm just throwing that out there. Pick to click. Yep. Kendall? Yeah, it's just, I just think the big thing for me when I look at Louisville is, you know, w- will they have a, you know, a frontline week in rotation? I think if you look back at last year, you know, of all their starting pitchers, uh, you know, none of, none of those guys you would consider like frontline guys. I mean, Carson Liggett's a nice arm. Uh, he was their most consistent guy last year. Ryan Hawks, I mean, I probably saw the best start of his career uh, last year against A&M and last year, you know, for them, he was really up and down. So the biggest question mark to me is, you know, Sebastian Gregoria from the transfer from Wright State, just going through Joe's fall report, you know, he took a big step forward from a Velo standpoint, uh, it sounds like this fall. Uh, you know, he's a guy that finished last year, I think, 89, 90 strikeouts for, for Wright State. So I think for Louisville to have a kind of super regional type of club, they need someone out of this group of arms, whether it's Liggett, Gongora, you know, Riley Phillips, you know, we talk again, we talk about guys with a lot of experience. You know, it feels like Riley Phillips has been at Louisville for like 10 years. You know, they, they need someone out of that group to really emerge and become a frontline ace because in the ACC, it's hard to navigate that schedule, especially these days with, with Duke rolling. NC State's going to have a good club. It's hard to navigate that schedule if, if you don't have a bona fide dude on Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm worried about the one, the one thing I, what you just said, Kendall is my, I share that concern for Louisville. I like the depth of the pitching staff. I just don't yeah. know if there's like, it's, it's like a bunch of threes and good relievers. I, I don't know who the one and two are. Um, and, and I think the, you no, know, but as Butch Thompson lets us know, players are allowed to get better. We, we do realize that. Yeah. Um, the, I, I'm a little nervous about catcher, you know, like Jack Payton, when he started to suffer from injuries last year is when their season started to implode, mm-hmm. I thought. And, you know, it's, it's kind of newer faces, younger guys. They have that transfer from Division II Luke Napleton. He sounds more like an offensive catcher than a defensive catcher. And I kind of feel like they need the opposite. Like they need a, like a really elite defender back there to help this pitching staff maximize what it's got, uh, what it brings to the table. But you know, again, as we always say, you know, like Dan McDonald is one of those coaches. You never bet against them. It's it's uh, and that high floor is sitting right there. Like it's a lot of familiar names. And keep an eye on Parker Detmers. Like I wonder, you know, yeah. you don't you you'd prefer not to have 
uh, a true freshman is is kind of like your bell cow. I mean, usually it takes those guys a year to really grow into that role. But boy, uh, you know, electric talent, great bloodlines, of course. Reed's younger brother, um, big right hander that has been up to ninety seven, right, with a hmm. real change up and a real breaking ball. So. Could be a difference maker for him, maybe at some point as a freshman. I don't know, but uh, I, I do think that you know, and we can wrap with this, Ruth. I know you have a hard stop. The the ACC is fascinating, and one of the things that I think is very interesting is I think a lot of teams in the league got a lot better on the mound, brought in a lot of power arms, and but there's youth. You know, there's like I I saw North Carolina, saw NC State, both of them. I think. I love the freshman arms that they brought in, but how much can you rely on freshman arms in college baseball today where college baseball is so old everywhere you go. But like, I think the most talented arms on those two staffs are freshmen. And so it's like, but they have older guys pitchability like NC state still has Matt Willinson and, you know, Logan Whitaker and Sam Heifel guys been around forever and been in the world series. Like that's great. I think that takes pressure. That's why I kind of like the way NC state's, built is is they've, they've got those older pitchability guys that take pressure off the young guys allow them to, to grow which i think is very important if you're th- if you're forced to thrust your your blue chip freshman into a friday or saturday starter role early i think that's harder so um but uh, you know i just think that wake forest has real real pitching duke has real real pitching jonathan santucci was awesome like that's a all America first team all America talent on Friday nights if he stays healthy. I mean, he was untouchable for me. Um, a couple of times out this this fall, it sounds like he was. So, uh, and and they've got you know, again they've got a younger position player group at Duke, but they've got I think a very safe high floor pitching staff. So, uh, the league is just after Wake Forest, it seems like that's that's kind of the top of the league, and then it's just like a whole cluster of very interesting teams. Virginia is well in there. Clemson, I mean, Florida State. I thought their pitching was great against Alabama. They looked really good. They're going to be a lot better. So that league is is uh, is going to be wide open. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yep. They're going to make a run at 10 bids. I, I mean, this is way too early to say something like this, but I'll do it. Like, I, did, I, 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 had, I, was, I had to do tiers for the ACC recently, and I, I shared those with you guys. And it's like I, Wake Forest feels like tier one. And there's like 11 teams in tier two. Like, it's yeah. like, it's like I, you, and then you have to put teams in tier three and you're like, I don't even want to do it. Like, I don't, I, I don't dislike any team in this entire league. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you, Fitzy. And we hadn't talked about Miami and we'll wait for Walt Villa's fall report on the hurricanes. Uh, but they're always a factor, you know? So yeah, yeah. it'll be, uh, it'll be a lot of fun this year. Kendall, just your final scorecard. I've got you as four for four. Uh, you dropped indictment, cultural, gargantuan, societal, Joe Healy may be coming off the bench yeah. next podcast. I, you know, you may have Wally pipped him from a vocab standpoint. I don't know. I'm going to do a lot of homework on my word usage. Uh, Let, let's, weeks. let's wait for Kendall to make his fall report debut this year before we anoint him the next Joe Healy. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Co- coming fair. next week, I'll have Washington early next oh, week. All right. Oh, love it. Love that. Um, gentlemen, well done. Hey, uh, for everyone listening, this is the ultimate time to get your subscription to d1baseball.com or SEC Extra. Type in fall 20 when you check out. Fall 20 when you check out. That will get you 20% off. Type in Kurt Reed if you just want to feel good about yourself. You want to feel warmth in your soul. That will do that, but it will not get you any discount. Fall 20 is what you want. Um, gentlemen, that is it. It was, uh, it, was, it was good. I feel reunited here. Um, everyone have a great week, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.